Welcome to Gov Innovator. I'm Andy Feldman. Our topic today is how the state of Utah has become a leader in using evidence to guide its policy and funding decisions. To learn more, we're joined by staff from the executive branch and the legislature. Kristen Cox is the director of the Office of Planning and Budget for Governor Gary Herbert, and Jonathan Ball is the director of the Utah Fiscal Analysts Office for the state legislature. Welcome to you both. Thanks so much. It's a pleasure. Thanks for asking. I know that the budget office in Utah has a requirement for each state agency, which is if the agency makes a request for new funding, it needs to provide evidence of program effectiveness and efficiency. Tell us more about what information is required, what the goal is, and how that's affected funding decisions. Mm-hmm. You know, first disclaimer in all of this is we certainly are not perfect at this. We're getting better as we go. But we do have kind of a common measurement approach that really asks three questions. What do you do? How well do you do it? And what does it cost you to do it? And we really expect agencies to be able to articulate. It's it's basically a composite measure. It's called quality throughput over operating expense. To baseline their performance and that we can trend over time if they're getting better or worse in terms of providing more value for every taxpayer dollar invested. And then, in fact, They have a track record of actually maximizing existing resources. We have a a much more higher confidence level of of, uh, making recommendations to the legislature and, in fact, more resources to be allocated. If we can't see that kind of operational improvement strategies that have been implemented, we tend to not recommend it. So on the other side, if they're introducing a new program, we want to also look at, okay, if this is a brand-new program, it's not in your base budget, What kind of evidence or data are you going to collect? What's your process for evaluation to know if this program is going to work or not? So depending on the kind of request they have, they'll go down a different track, either demonstrating past performance or how they're going to evaluate new performance. I would add to that, as Kristen said, we're not perfect in funding decisions either. (laughs) So, you know, you can't always take the politics out of politics. Um, But it certainly is uh, informative to have First of all, the baseline. The question that uh, legislators often ask is, you know, is this new thing, this new widget, lower priority than, than what you're doing now? Because if you're asking for money for it uh, and you have a base budget, then this must be less important than whatever it is that you're doing. Um, so having that baseline in place to say, we're maximizing what we're doing now. We've demonstrated that to you. This is a, a newer expanded initiative that we'd like your support for. Really useful. And then the second thing is, um, having those business cases for the the new request is super helpful when you're having to prioritize. You know, the requests are always you know two two to three times what we have available in terms of resources. And having somebody with a good solid case for what uh, what they're requesting that's useful. And then we follow that up every time there's a new or significantly expanded program. We have a requirement in statute that says you have to put a performance note on. Uh, so this is like what we, we commonly refer to as a fiscal note, the cost of implementing a measure. You also have to put on a performance note, which is how you're going to measure your success for this new initiative. And our state auditor then follows up on those performance notes uh, on an annual basis to see what were the measures you proposed, did you use those measures, how did you perform, and uh, then reports those to our uh, Legislative Executive Appropriations Committee, which is kind of like a ways and means. That makes sense. Chris, you mentioned the term uh, quality throughput over operating expense, and I just wanted to explain that briefly for our listeners. That is a composite measure that is both about output, the quantity, 
quality and cost all into one. And I can put a link to the website that explains more. And I think one other point on this is that, you know, I would guess all states to some degree or another are measuring stuff, right? So we're pretty pedantic about, you know, the kind of measures we use, not having too many because too many can send like signals that are uh, not helpful and distract people from the core issue. But in addition, it's like buying a really fancy scale without having a diet and exercise program. We don't expect our agencies just to throw measures. We do provide them with tools and um, structures so they can improve. You know, we're not just throwing into the wolves. Um, we actually have a pretty robust curriculum in place and training, and I've got folks assigned to the agency so they can go in and actually work with them to help gain the effectiveness and efficiencies that we want because we're a team and we want them to be successful. So, Jonathan, Chris was just talking about how to help uh, public managers to learn how to design and use performance metrics on your end, in working with the legislature, we don't think of legis state legislators, any legislators, as naturally always interested in using performance metrics. Was there a challenge in terms of getting them interested in that subject and getting them feeling comfortable using those metrics? Sure, and still is. And uh, like I said, you can't take the politics out of politics. There are lots of factors that go into funding decisions, um, evidence being certainly an important one. So we had to spend time uh, educating legislators, and actually Kristen and her team did a great job of this, uh, meeting with legislators, explaining to them the success model. But then also educating them about the fact that this doesn't have to be an automatic trigger. This is another piece of information upon which to make an inherently subjective decision, really, when it comes down to it. But it's an important piece of information, and you shouldn't ignore it. We should say SUCCESS, it's an acronym. It's the name of the performance framework that the governor's office uses in working with agencies. And Jonathan, you've built on those data and also added some more outcome-focused information for the legislature. Tell us about that. Um, we have integrated into something we called our, our, our COBE, or Compendium of Budget Information. That's like a user guide for the budget, if you will. Um, so if you're looking at an Appropriations Act and you want to know what's this money for, you go read the COBE. Um, the COBE now has an entire section on performance, and in that section, we enumerate some of the measures Chris is talking about in success. And then we also include some things that are more outcome-related, because legislators, you know, they're concerned about whether potholes are getting filled. And success is really useful at measuring throughput, and if you have the right quality indicator, it measures output, but we want to show them both types of indicators. And that usually gets their attention. You know, when they see, oh yeah, yeah, the needs of my my constituents are being met, and here's how I know that, they start to pay attention. Another unique feature in Utah relates to behavioral health. The state has a mandated uh, statewide registry of evidence-based prevention programs that guides the Utah Division of Substance Abuse and Mental Health in its contracting decisions. Yeah, we have some really strong leadership over there that's recognized uh, really on its own, the need to, especially when we're talking treating vulnerable populations, uh, co-occurring disabilities, that they have confidence that the treatment interventions they use are going to use actually work. So as you've mentioned, they actually have now mandated that providers have to hit certain thresholds, it's essentially a litmus test, that before they can be eligible for funding, they have to meet certain standards for evidence-based practices. And it's been a real interesting transition, um, helping providers understand that they can still be successful, helping them understand what they specifically need to do. And this really became a, a foundation of moving into justice reinvestment initiative of 
treating um, offenders, et cetera, because that became the basis for evidence-based treatment for substance abuse and mental health for the criminal justice system as well. So they're still working through this. In fact, we were just up recently up in northern Utah working with a provider that is moving through this transition. And, you know, it takes time and effort and a reframing of perspective. It's not just that anything can work. We really need to make sure with limited resources, the interventions have a track record of success. And as you know, in a lot of this work, the biggest issue and challenge is fidelity, right? We can have a, on paper a great program, but, but how do you make that something that people tactically, operationally um, make happen without it being so bureaucratic that it's not flexible enough? And so that's always the challenge with some of these programs. I'll just add that it's super important from a legislative perspective, this uh, type of program, because when you've gone beyond the state agency, the effectiveness of partners, that's sort of at arm's length from legislators, from policymakers. And so you know, having the data to report back, hey, here's what happened. After, yeah, we spent the money. I mean, that's what the agency can tell you. But look, here's how our contractors performed. Um, really important. And we're looking... For other areas where we can expand that kind of uh, that kind of approach. This sounds simple, but not easy. In that, evidence based can mean a lot of different things for different people, right? There's random control trials, which are expensive and take time. There's things that you can just do through lit reviews that give people a sense of what that is. So, substance abuse and mental health, I think, is probably the farthest along in really defining what that means. When we look at budget requests, we actually look at it at five levels. When they come in, we'll look at something that's super data-driven and they're doing propensity scoring and using admin data as compared to they just have a simple control group set up. So, as you know, there's different levels on the continuum. So, we've got to make it easy enough for people to adopt as well as it being effective. A final example that I wanted to mention in terms of Utah's progress in evidence-based policy is in the area of juvenile justice. I know the state has created a comprehensive cost-benefit analysis model to help lawmakers identify evidence-based policies that provide the best return on taxpayers' investment. Tell us about that. Yeah, so in Utah, it's uh, currently operated by the University of Utah, and um, they use it on contract basis uh, when we ask them. I think the most recent case in which we used this was uh, for a program called the Drug Offenders Reform Act, or DORA. And in DORA, we had uh, intensive treatment for certain drug offenders, and we used the results first to uh, determine, well, how much does that cost versus how much financial benefit do we gain from the intensive treatment? And really what we found was that Intensive treatment without supervision really didn't give us a whole lot of increased returns, meaning the recidivism was about the same between the DORA group and the general population. And uh, so it did drive decisions to, to reform DORA, to try to increase that supervision. And as Kristen mentioned, that's now sort of the foundation of, uh, of justice reform in our state. A final question for either of you, which is about success factors. Tell us about what you think enabled or pushed Utah's state government to use evidence in significant ways to improve results and to focus funding on what works. I think that it takes solid leadership. I mean, that's really what it comes down to, finding a champion. Um, and then our, certainly our governor has been a champion of this. It takes a, a um, model of success, right? A couple of times where it works um, for people to really get get engaged, um, and uh, 
the president of our Senate, uh, Wayne Niederhauser, he also had that vision when he came into government, uh, and it was about the same time that Governor Herbert uh, became governor. And so having somebody on two branches of government and having somebody in a leadership position who really believes in uh, measuring the old adage, how much of the, the wall has been painted, that is very, very helpful because it, in, it inspires others uh, to do that. And when it comes down to it, budgets aren't always going upward, uh, especially here in Utah. We try to manage the budget so that it's, uh, if it does increase, it's at a moderate pace and it matches the growth of, in our population. And if you're going to do that, you need to find out what's working and what's not working. And you need when things aren't working, you need to try something new. And when they are working, then you need to expand that effort uh, and get, give the taxpayer what they're looking for. And I think any politician either side of the aisle would agree with that. It's really remarkable progress what Utah has done in terms of evidence-based policymaking. My thanks to Kristen Cox and Jonathan Ball for sharing their useful insights. And thanks to all of you for listening.